Please join with me in prayer. Holy God, this is a time when we quiet our hearts and our minds to pay attention, to really pay attention to what you have to say to us today. Fill us with your word and give us understanding by your spirit that having heard your word, we may live lives worthy of you. Amen. Are you familiar with Good Samaritan laws? In Florida, as in many other states, these laws exist to keep bystanders and medical professionals who are attempting to offer help in emergency situations from being sued for their well-intentioned care. In fact, it came up recently in a session meeting. You see, the Faith Building and Grounds Committee brought the request to explore the possibility of collaboration with local agencies to utilize our front parking lot as a possible drive-up vaccine distribution site at some point in the future. One of the questions that came up with session as they were determining if they wanted to move forward was, well, what's our liability? Could we possibly be sued if someone has a bad reaction to the vaccine, for instance? The consensus was we would be covered under Florida's Good Samaritan laws. It's a wonderful concept, and I'm grateful that we have these protections in our statues that encourage us to help each other. However, it takes our name from the parable this morning which in itself is problematic. You see, this particular naming of the parable arose in the mid-1600s, and it reeks of the racism that was around during the time when Luke recorded it. This was a good Samaritan, which was a story for us to emulate, certainly, but it was also meant to show that he was clearly an anomaly. Those people couldn't be trusted. Samaritans were of questionable background. After all, they were foreigners in this land. So rather than ask you to listen to the parable of the Good Samaritan this morning, I'd like us to listen to the parable of how to be a neighbor. Our gospel lesson comes from Luke chapter 10, verses 29 through 37. But wanting to justify himself, he asked Jesus, And who is my neighbor? Jesus replied, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell into the hands of robbers, who stripped him, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. Now by chance, a priest was going down the road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So likewise, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, while traveling, came near him. And when he saw him, he was moved with pity. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, having poured oil and wine on them. Then he put him on his own animal, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii 
gave them to the innkeeper and said, Take care of him, and when I come back, I will repay you whatever more you spend. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? The lawyer answered, The one who showed him mercy. Jesus said to him, Go and do likewise. The Gospel of our Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. This parable comes on the heels of a discussion between Jesus and a lawyer about what we must do to inherit eternal life. The lawyer has quoted part of Jewish law, which says to love one's neighbor as themselves. Jesus has approved this response. Nevertheless, the lawyer isn't satisfied to stop there. No, Jesus, you need to give us some clarity. Certainly, I don't have to love everyone. I mean, what about my enemies? Neighbors feel like it could be a rather broad term. Can you help us put some parameters on this, please? Oh, but Jesus does not let the lawyer get away with putting limits on our love. Instead of answering the question of who, Jesus tells a familiar story that teaches us how we are to be a neighbor. And you know the story well. The mission team from Faith Presbyterian has just touched down at the Tallahassee airport, exhausted but grateful for a week well spent sharing God's love in Guatemala. They say their goodbyes to one another and begin to head home for some much-needed R&R. Pastor Trinity doesn't waste any time jumping in her car, sweeping through park and pay, and heading home to hug those sweet babies. But what she didn't expect was the detour from her usual route down Orange Avenue. Apparently, there is some construction ahead on Adams, and so she's being diverted through a neighborhood. It was late at night, and so she made sure her doors were locked and drove on ahead. Around the time she was passing by Bond Elementary, she notices someone on the shoulder of the road. She can't tell if they're resting or they're hurt, but she makes sure to give them a wide berth as she passes by. The person looks a little suspicious, she thinks, and so to ease her mind, she jumps on the Bluetooth to talk to Thomas until she makes it home safely. The ruling elder who had organized the mission trip wasn't far behind Trinity. His wife and kids had been so excited to welcome him home that they even made homemade signs and brought balloons to the airport. The kids were chattering away in the car, and so the detour doesn't seem to faze the family too much. It wasn't until after his wife grabbed his arm and squeezed that he noticed the large mound that looks like it might be a person on the side of the road. Should we call 911? His wife asked as they cruise into the left lane to avoid the person. Probably not, he says. We don't want to cause a scene just because we're not familiar with this neighborhood. 
It's probably just a resident who had a little too much fun tonight. They'll sleep it off and be fine. Finally, the janitor, who had just finished his second shift cleaning the bathrooms at the airport, passed by. He was exhausted and ready to get home to his kids. And about a block out, he notices that there's a man laying on the sidewalk. He slowed his car and rolls down his window. He's just going to ask the man if he's okay. He'll probably brush him off and be able to continue on home. When the man doesn't answer, he knows he has to do something. After all, if he were stranded in this situation, he would want help. He pulls up to the curve, throws on his flashers, and jumps out to see what he can do. Not quite the familiar story we know. And yet, I can't help but feel in my heart that this is a pretty accurate modern-day take on the parable Jesus told. Over the past several weeks, we've been in a sermon series called Scripture Selfies. And I found it all too easy this week to put myself in this parable. Maybe you feel the same. When Jesus tells us this story, he's showing us not who our neighbor is, but rather how we are to be a good neighbor. The Samaritan dared to come near. It strikes me that the first two characters don't even get close enough to make a judgment about if help is needed. They just keep moving on. And if we are going to be actual neighbors, we have to be willing to get close, to build relationships. It will take our precious time, and it can be messy. But it's what Jesus is calling us to do. In my reading of the scripture from the NRSV, it said that after the Samaritan had came close, that he had pity on the injured man. A better translation is probably had compassion. You see, compassion isn't just a warm, fuzzy feeling. Compassion is such a fiery emotion that it moves us to act. It's why the Samaritan cared for the man's wounds, put him on his mule, and took him to the inn. And then he doesn't just say, all right, I've done my good deed for the day. He gives the innkeeper two denarii, which is probably enough money at that time to cover two months' worth of room and board. And if that's not enough, he says, don't worry, I'll be back. The Samaritan is in it for the long haul. This isn't just a one-night inconvenience. This man is his neighbor. And for him to be a neighbor, he's in relationship now and committed to helping him recover. This is the call of the parable for us today. To be a neighbor, we don't need to try to limit how we are to distribute God's love, but rather 
We need to build relationships, act out of compassion, and commit for the long haul. When Thomas's dad was alive, I used to love to listen to him tell stories. And one of my favorite parts of his stories was when he would say, hold on now, let's take this one step further. So channeling my best Jerry Whitley for you, I'm saying, stick with me, Faith. Let's take this one step further. You may have caught on that when I told my modern parable, I took us through the Greater Bond neighborhood down Saxon Street. If you're wondering why I did that, it's because in Jesus' parable, he has them traveling on the road from Jerusalem to Jericho. This road was a difficult journey. The elevation dropped significantly, and that challenging terrain made it a great place for robbers and bandits to take advantage of travelers. Most of us are familiar with the Greater Bond neighborhood, but not because that's where we live, but rather because we hear about it in the news. The shooting of Tony McDade last spring happened in the Greater Bond neighborhood. Or maybe you remember the 12-year-old boy whose life was forever changed last summer when he was grazed on the cheek by a stray bullet and had to be rushed to the hospital. That happened on Holton Street in the Greater Bond neighborhood. For me, as a white woman of privilege, it's easy to name the danger I feel in traveling through such areas in our community. But if I am to hear the message of Jesus in our parable to go and be a neighbor, then I think God is calling for me and for us as a community of faith to ask ourselves the question, if it's not safe enough for me, why is it safe enough for any of our neighbors? If we are going to answer the call of Christ to be a neighbor, perhaps we need to examine what we can do to systemically change the dangerous passage from Jerusalem to Jericho. What are we as Faith Presbyterian going to do to love our neighbors in the Bond community? This isn't about us parachuting in to bond to save them, but rather it's about us engaging in the radical act of actually being good neighbors. We've made a start. The Black Dog class is building relationships through a joint Sunday school with Trinity United, which is located on the edge of bond. And some of us over the fall participated in cleanup days alongside the residents of the Bond Neighborhood Association. However, to be a good neighbor, we not only have to build relationships, we then have to act. May God give us listening ears to hear from our neighbors about how we can be bearers of compassion how we can come alongside them to work for change, and how we might be a part of bringing healing to the road from Jerusalem to Jericho. May we take seriously the call of Christ to be good neighbors. To the glory of God.
Amen.